Welcome to the first episode of the new Dirt Reporters podcast from DirtOnDirt.com, where the members of DirtOnDirt.com's editorial staff take you beyond the headlines that you see on our website and dive deeper into the news, results, and notable topics of dirt late model racing. I'm DirtOnDirt.com staff writer Joshua Joyner. Joining me is the rest of the editorial staff. Uh, we have senior writer Kevin Kovac, who is coming off of a weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway. Kevin, have you recovered yet from your trip? Uh, yeah, I think so. It wasn't like... It wasn't super long days, and the races ended at 10 o'clock on Friday, and then we were out of there early because of the rain out. So it wasn't, it wasn't totally strenuous. It wasn't super long days. So I, that, that was a good thing. I'm glad to hear it sounds like the uh, the extra day at Bristol didn't have too bad of an effect on you. But uh, I do think uh, still recovering from his trip to Bristol last month, I think, is Robert Holman, our weekend editor. Robert, have you recovered from that, that trip where they were uh, the cars were so spread out, not parked nicely and neatly all in the infield like they were for Kevin? I'm uh, I'm getting back to uh, to normal pretty much. Uh, Kevin doesn't realize how lucky he was to have all those guys in the middle all the time. Uh, I was, you know, able to take advantage of them coming into the middle during uh, time trials and stuff like that. But uh, trying to track them down over that huge facility uh, was a task. So uh, Kevin was very lucky. He just doesn't realize it. That's right. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. it. I like uh, it, it was the greatest thing. Like all, every single late model guy was right on the front row. Uh, and then I'm, were you even able to use the media center for, for your event? I don't think so. Uh uh, Robert. So um, I, the media center there in turn four was able to just walk right out of there and, and, and go find out everybody that's uh, everybody you needed to talk to. It was a uh, real easy access. It was it was it was almost too easy, actually. Feel sorry for you. You needed the blue emu, I guess, uh, after your uh, event, uh, all the walking you did. There's a media center. <laughs> yeah, that big building in turn four, media center. They even had ice cream inside of fr a freezer inside the media center. Pretty good. That's wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> okay, next next time I'll check that out, maybe. And Todd, are you are you jealous you didn't get to go to Bristol this year? Uh, I'll let those guys fight it out. I don't want to be that guy that said uh, I had my fill uh, way back in 2000. Uh, the first time they did it, but, uh, but yeah, I was happy to have uh, Kevin and Robert handle it this year. There you go, and that's our managing editor, Todd Turner. If you can't tell, we are going to be talking a lot about Bristol as we wrap up the dirt track racing, or at least the dirt late model portion uh, that will be going on at Bristol Motor Speedway, the dirt-covered Bristol Motor Speedway. Had two big World of Outlaws, Morton Buildings Late Model Series events at the track this weekend with Josh Richards winning the opener, $10,000 opener on Friday night. And Devin Moran taking the $25,000 victory, what was supposed to be on Saturday, but rain postponed it to Sunday afternoon. It's kind of hard to gauge just how significant, significant this event was. Clearly, we all know it's a big deal. First time in 20 years they've covered it in dirt. Uh, NASCAR was there for their races, and it's just a lot of focus on Bristol. But for our portion, the dirt late model portion, there were less than 30 cars there. And a lot of the drivers kind of were lukewarm on how they felt about the actual racing there. But at the end of the day, it's Bristol. It's a big stage. Kevin, you were there. What's your take on how big of a deal this was? Uh, it certainly looked like it was a big deal for Devin Moran to win it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Devin Moran was real happy to win it. Uh, uh, what's neat about Devin winning that race was his dad, Donnie, the Hall of Famer, was at the race. It's the first time he's been in a race that Devin's run all year long. And uh, he came down with his wife to to watch, and and Donnie was there back in 2000, 2001. I mean, Devin and Wiley, his brother, were actually there too as little kids. They don't remember being there uh, those dirt races uh, 20 years ago. 
But so when when Devin wins, Donnie was like, man, this this feels like back in my day when I was winning the uh, World 100s and other big races. He he said he got to go to Victory Lane. He goes, man, it brought back some major memories because uh, just just being there at such a big event, big facility like that. And, and just in terms of the facility and being there at Bristol, uh, there, there's no doubt that it was pretty impressive. If if anyone went in there and was like, man well, this place is, uh, this sucks. This, this was, we don't need to be here. You know, I mean, maybe they could complain about the speeds. They can complain about the possible, uh, uh, crashes or anything, but really, uh, it's race cars go fast. I mean, there's other racetracks that r- cars go fast on. I mean, remember there's been events at Knoxville, the Knoxville nationals, when it seemed like three or four guys flipped, uh, because they were going so fast. not too long ago. Uh, and guys, guys could crash anywhere. And obviously they have to do some different things to their race cars to, to lessen the chances of blowing a right front tire, stuff like that at Bristol. But when you drive in to that racetrack with your hauler, go down that hill and turn three and you're surrounded by towering grandstands, there's, there's, there's nothing like it that a dirt track person could, could go to. Uh, us dirt late model people will go to it, it. It was just impressive. It was really, really. And I could hear that from all the people that were just being like, Oh my, take away the complaining about how fast you're going and everything. But it was cool to be there. Bottom yeah. line. Yeah. I'll, I'll agree with that. I was there for the Bristol dirt nationals in March and I uh, was there. My, my brother was racing and went with them and our whole crew. I mean, it was just over, almost overwhelming when you walk through the, the tunnel into the field and you're just looking around at how big it is. It was I think just that, just being there and seeing that is pretty cool. Uh, but then, like I said, the event itself, I'm wondering, you know, we look back on the, the Bristol races or, uh, 20 years ago and kind of everyone remembers them. It was, you know, seems like it was a big deal. I vaguely remember it. I was barely a teenager then. Todd, you know, you went to those races. Where do you see this, the, these races here, uh, Devin Moran's win, all that. Where do you see that stacking up as we move, you know, we're looking back on this years down the road you know, five years down the road, is it going to be something to look back on as a big deal? I guess it depends on how much they keep racing on the dirt. You know, if it becomes a NASCAR cup thing, then I guess they're going to put dirt on it every year. And I guess there'll be some appetite to continue it. You know, uh, you have to do think it is a different generation now. That's 20 years ago. There's lots of people who didn't see the first one or just heard about it. So I think, you know, it was definitely worthwhile or, or uh, you know, brought new people into it uh, for Bristol this time. Um, and if they keep putting dirt on it, I seem, assume they'll keep letting lower divisions, dirt late models, other stuff uh, run on that track, uh, uh, not on the cup weekend. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's a big deal. I, I Yeah, as we saw in 2000 to 2001, big drop off in car count. Uh, and even even maybe during this spring, we saw, you know, fewer cars coming back, you know, knowing how difficult it is to run there and how relatively perilous it is uh, to, to maintain your equipment. So so that would be interesting next year to see uh, how many how many people really do want to come back and do want to race there. Uh, there's I agree with what Kevin says about the it's such a big stage and such an amazing place. Uh, but, uh, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, obviously they're going to do it next year, so we'll see, uh, see what happens. You, you bring up some, some really good points and we're kind of already discussing or, or bringing up next year. And we're assuming that there's going to be some dirt late model racing there. Obviously we know NASCAR is going to be back on the dirt there in the spring. Uh, they've announced that. 
what would you guys like to see different, if anything? Uh, you know, maybe some changes with the program, the event, as we look ahead to next year, if they're going to have dirt late models there again. Robert, anything you would like to see changed? You know, I've made no you know bones about the fact that I don't like going there. Uh, I think that Kevin is, you know, 100% right in the fact that it's a huge event. The facility is awesome. You have all this, uh, and it's, it's prestigious. I, I, you definitely can't take anything away from Josh Richards or Moran or, uh, let's say, McDowell and, and uh, Bloomquist and those guys who won in 2000, 2001. It's, it's huge. It's huge for the sport. It puts a lot of eyeballs on our sport. So in that regards, it, it's a big deal. But I just think that they're – it's it's a deal for the elites and that is um that's why i think you saw it go from 50 to 60 cars the first time uh the late models uh this year down to what 30 some odd cars for the world of outlaws because i think you had a lot of guys who realized that this is not this is not for me it's expensive and we have a chance to really tear up a lot of stuff so I don't have a problem with them continuing to do it, but I think you're going to see that it's we're not going to get these massive car counts, you know, like we had once before when you have a deal like that. Now, changes, um, better organization. Uh, if you're talking about the Bristol Dirt Nationals, uh, better organization. Uh, you need less classes. Uh, less Maybe don't do late models like Kevin suggested. Don't do late models with the Bristol Dirt Nationals. Let's just focus the the late models, the super late models, uh, with the world of outlaws. Uh, there are lots of things that you can do to tweak it. Uh, put all the uh, all the late models in one area, uh, so they're all pitted together, so you're not scattered, and it's not. It's just the the Bristol Dirt Nationals, as I guess successful as it was, just kind of seemed discombobulated to me. Whereas the world of outlaws seemed much more organized and but then you had those the fewer cars. So I think if you can find some kind of mesh between the two, uh, then you might have a recipe for success there. I don't think there's a lot you can do about the speeds other than make the track a little bit slicker, but we all know that they're still going to be going fast and is, and then slicker might even be more perilous. Who knows? You know, so I'm not hundred percent sure if we can do anything about the speeds much, unless we start tweaking the cars themselves. I'm not hundred percent sure the, the track is is where we need to look for answers, you know, because the guys are going to find ways to go fast, even in the slick. That's just the, that's just what racers do. Yeah, I think you mentioned, you know, some changes to the track. And I, and I think it's going to be hard to bring the speeds down with the track the way it is because it's such high banking and they're just able to go wide open around it. Right. I look at it when I was there I, and they, they initially said they were going to have less banking. And I thought maybe they would do this. But if they could take the track, the dirt all the way to the infield wall and not have that, I don't know if it's removable at all, but the, the pit road wall that they have that, you know, separates pit road from the race racetrack, if that's gone and you could run the dirt all the way to the wall, you can have a lot less banking and have a lot more room. I, when I see it, the problem is there's nowhere to go when drivers get to the straightaway. It's just one line. There's no bottom or top. Everything funnels that one black strip down the front straightaway. So I don't know if that's even possible or something they would consider doing. But if it were me, I'd be looking into that to try to get the, the bottom groove really right down around the, the infield wall around the corner and then more room uh, down the front straightaway. Let's talk a little bit uh, before we move on from Bristol, talk about some of the storylines we saw from the weekend. Obviously, we, we mentioned him. Josh Richards got a big win Friday night, which, you know, he kind of has a NASCAR background. He tried. He even mentioned it in his uh, Victory Lane interview about his his. Uh, 
somewhat unsuccessful asphalt career. Is it kind of uh, fitting for him and a guy who tried NASCAR and didn't quite make it to then get a win at at Bristol? Uh, Kevin, what did you think about that? Yeah, it is. He, he's a guy that's been there. He ran it, you know, when it was the concrete and uh, his team owner is, is Clint Boyer with the NASCAR connection there, obviously. Uh, uh, so that that does uh, kind of fit in with the whole whole point there, and it's it, it's just it's just good to see Josh Richards win a race uh, at, like at a place like Bristol and on a big stage. And I, I just because he hasn't won that many races in the past few years, and every time I look at Josh, I still remember those years with the Outlaws when he was winning the races like Brandon Shepard is. Uh, for the last few years. And it, it just seemed like Josh Richards would never, uh, what was almost unbeatable sometimes at some of these places. Uh, I, so I, sometimes I do look at him like amazed, like uh, where I, I think like, man, I, I can't believe that Josh is not winning the races like he used to. And, uh, and when he does win, you think like maybe, maybe this is, maybe he's going to start getting into the double figure wins again. Maybe he's going to get back to that. And uh, I mean, I, I, I liked when Josh was winning all those races. Uh, he, he's a, he's a good guy and, uh, he, he was good for the sport. And I, I feel like in the, he, he's, his stature hasn't been quite as high, uh, in the last few years. And it would be uh, good to see him start winning races like he did on Friday night. Speaking of drivers with high stature, perhaps, uh, high expectations, we, all talked last week and all uh, said we thought that uh, Jonathan Davenport would be one of the favorites on the weekend after he won 50 grand there uh, last month and then won at Tazewell the week before. Uh, Todd, were we surprised uh, by the fact that Davenport wasn't more of a contender on the weekend? Yeah, I think so. Although, although I, I had been thinking about that kind of through the weekend and, and even when he was starting way back there Saturday or Sunday after winning the consolation, but then, but then here he comes, he, he did make a, a valiant charge and was really making that high side work. You know, that restart kind of went bad and he kind of, you know, he was ahead of Thornton at some point and then kind of lost, uh, he just kind of lost his mojo or something there toward the end. Uh, uh, so yeah, he, well, he ended up not being necessarily a factor, but he did appear to have a competitive car on Sunday. Davenport season is, is interesting. I mean, we're going to, you know, we may have to wait a, wait a month or so again to see how he does at these other tracks. And he's certainly been, uh, kind of hot and cold in some ways. So, uh, I'm sure he's, uh, I'm sure he'd like to just get, get on a roll and keep it going here. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that turns out. You, you mentioned Ricky Thornton Jr. And I want to mention him real quick because if you're paying attention at the Friday race, the the first race at the Bristol Dirt Nationals, he went from like ninth to third in a heat race, and then I think he went from 16th to fourth in the feature. Uh, he had a flat tire in that race, and then he didn't come back for the Saturday race because he went to Brownstown. And then this weekend, I think he he went on Friday from 19th, 18th to ninth, and then 20th to fourth. So for all the talk about not much passing at Bristol, Ricky Thornton Jr. passed a ton of cars there. Yeah, Ricky Thornton was a very impressive this entire weekend. Uh, and remember, this is a car that he, man, that thing, that thing probably shouldn't even have been racing the rest of the weekend after he broke a, a lower control arm there on Thursday's practice and he pounded the third turn wall. Uh, it was so bad, like it, if he could have taken his hauler and drove, driven out of the pits, he probably would have been gone because he didn't have another car. There, this is a good point here, kind of an interesting point where those guys couldn't leave. To get into the infield in turn three, Bristol built like a little ramp. It took about a half an hour like after the races on su on Sunday. They had to take about a half an hour races so they can have this ramp so they can get up the racetrack in turn three because the haulers would bat them out if they didn't have this. 
And so when those guys crashed on Thursday, you know, Zach Mitchell, uh, Dalton Wilson, those guys had to stay there the entire weekend. They, the, Wilson and Mitchell, their, their cars were done. They couldn't race, but they could not leave that hall, that racetrack because they couldn't get out until they built this ramp. Uh, so that's when Ricky Thornton was like, hey, you might as well just run. We, we have to fix this. We'll figure it out how we fix it. They got the Porter Power out and moved the move the frame around, but it was still not right. And, and then here he comes from way back in the pack, both nights, uh, both 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 races, even in the afternoon, there was there, you could get to the top. I mean, he got it. He saw that outside open up after watching Davenport in front of him. And he starts going up through the pack and gets all the way up to fourth. Pretty impressive. Uh, and I think that just shows how good Ricky Thornton Jr. is. That's a damn good race car driver. And he is going to be making some noise for a lot of years. And, uh, uh, in dirt late model racing. And, and he did all this this weekend too. We had to be tired from all that work they did in the car. And he has to wrangle two little kids all weekend too. I mean, he had a three, his wife was there with their, I think he's three, the two boys are three and one. And my God, I mean, those kids are running around that. And I mean, oh my, it's going to be really good when they're a little older, they can help in washing the car, I think more, but holy cow, he's got his hands full, him and his wife. As a parent of a two-year-old and a seven-year-old, I can I can only imagine how difficult that would be. Uh, okay, so before we move on from Bristol, any anything else that uh, that caught your guys' attention that I uh, feel like is worth mentioning? I am interested to see what what we do next year and what the plan is. You know, I tossed out there and in fast talk, I'd love to see a Lucas Oil World of Outlaws uh, clash. Uh, you know, and keep it a really elite event. Uh, but I guess that's what interests me most. What, uh, as we look ahead of that, what the plan's going to be. Yeah, that that would be a, a pretty unique deal, pretty cool deal to see. I'll, I'll mention before we move on the the World Outlaws points. Uh, Chase kind of got shaken up a little bit. Shepard, I believe, entered as the the points leader and, and is still the leader after ooh, a rough rough night for Kyle Strickler on uh, on Friday night. I think he came back on Saturday and uh, ended up finishing one spot behind Shepard there in the feature. And then Chris Madden made a big jump up to third uh, with a couple of, of decent runs at Bristol. So uh, keeping an eye on that point, Chase, it'll be interesting to see where uh, they go from there. Moving on from Bristol, we will uh, talk real quick, a couple of notes, uh, things that have appeared on the Dirtwire page in the past week. A couple of new, few news items uh, concerning national touring drivers or at least drivers who started the year as national touring drivers. You had Lucas Oil regular Billy Moyer Jr. announced he'll miss at least six weeks of racing while healing from a uh, broken bone in his foot. Chase Younghands announced he's stepping back from the World of Outlaws series after, I believe, seven full-time uh, seasons on the tour. And Ross Bells, who was third in the Bristol finale on Sunday, has split from Big Frog Motorsports uh, after ending what was supposed to be his rookie uh, campaign with the team on the series. Real quick, of those three drivers, and, and assuming that Moyer Jr. makes a full recovery and is back racing around, say, summertime, uh, which one of you of those do you guys see having a better year now that their flex, uh, schedules will be a little more flexible that they're not running a tour? Robert, real quick, who do you, who would you pick of the three? Ooh, that's, uh, that's my putting you on the spotlight right there because they all three have kind of are in different regions, so they potentially are not going to be going head-to-head. So, um just where they where they pick and choose to run, you know. I think there's uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Ross Bales because there's so many lucrative races in that area. Um, but you know that's no shade on the other two guys because I, in their areas I, I they don't, still have big races. Yeah. 
I don't. I think Ross Bell's would feel a little slighted by saying by you saying you're going out on a limb and picking him. I think he well, <laughs> easily you know. has the the best year of the three. He there's so like with the Southern Nationals, so many of the regional stuff around him. He'll have a I think have a great year in the the Billy Hicks ride. Although I will say for me, Young Hands is the most uh, going to be most interesting to watch since he's never really not run the Outlaws Tour. Kevin, what do you think? Uh, yeah, Ross Bales, uh, th- there's a good connection there with him and Billy Hicks. Uh, I talked to Billy Hicks uh, after the race, and he was like, I got my driver back. I mean, they, he just he loves Ross Bales, and they have a connection with those two. It, it just works. I mean, uh, there's there's a drivers and, and mechanics, owners, crew chiefs that they just uh, they're, they're just in sync. And, and these two are. I mean, he's already got a win when he just popped into his car and Billy Hicks car earlier this year. And. Um, in the extreme series and, and Billy's indicating that, Hey, maybe we're, we're, he still wants to run some big races, uh, with, with Ross. And I, I think it, he'll, they're going to be a very tough combo, especially in the South and obviously in the Southeast. Uh, but Billy Moyer, don't, don't, let's not sleep on him either. Really interesting stat on, uh, Billy Moyer Jr. is he's won at a lot of different tracks in a lot of different States and, and not, we're not talking national touring races. I think this was in a quick time a few like a year or two ago how many the drivers who have won in the most different states and billy moore jr was quite was right at near the top of that list so i think this kind of schedule if he's not running just all the lucas races it, it could make him have a lot it might not be as much money that he wins as he could if he would do well on the on a national tour but i think does fit him well in his history and i think he'll win a lot of races youngins he just needs to get better this year. I mean, I, he, he would admit it. I mean, that's why he's not running the Outlaws. He has not run well at all. I mean, the, the biggest news that he's made this year was uh, when he uh, admittedly got into Mason Ziegler at East Bay and, and knocked him into the wall running back in the pack So uh, as a payback for last year. So he needs to pick up his game to even be in the conversation, I think, with those two uh, uh, in terms of winning uh, on a regional basis. I was going to say something. I, I don't think that, you know, it's really show, uh, throwing, you know, shade necessarily on, on uh, Ross by picking him or saying me saying that, okay, I, I'm going out of limb. I think my perspective on that is that these other two guys are coming off national tours and they're longtime national tour drivers who are stepping back. And Ross says, uh, even though he's, he's proven his ability in his region, he's never been that national tour guy that we look at. And he's, he's not really coming off of a full blown national tour. He's done it for years. So, uh, you know, that's why I kind of said, I, I'm, I'm going out on a limb and picking him necessarily, but, uh, cause he's clearly, he's clearly over the last probably three seasons been one of the best, uh, in his region. I'm sure he won't hold it against you, Robert, that you said on a limb. I was just <laughs> kidding. Thank you. <laughs> Todd, Todd, who's your, who's your pick of the three? I mean, I think I think Ross would be my pick just for the reasons you all said. I think kind of the most pressure might be on on Chase, you know, running, uh, as you said, mostly national touring stuff, which you can be excused for not winning a lot of those. It's very competitive, uh, but he's going to run somewhere. And when he goes and runs somewhere, he's going to need to to compete and run well uh you know uh it's not easy i mean if he's going to run these mlra races this week for instance uh that you're, you know nobody on any national tour is going to roll in there and just dominate those so so he's going to have a lot of uh he's going to have to you know as kevin said get better and this is a good place to get better but it will not be easy he's going to have to really uh pick some spots and see what he can do about uh, improving that team 
So I think that's a, a good spot, a good spot to start wrapping things up, and uh, we'll do that by doing some quick previews of upcoming races. I was looking at the schedule, and if you know, of course, this is all contingent upon Mother Nature, but there's a bunch of racing this weekend. Starting things off will be uh, we'll take a look at uh, the Castrol Flow Racing Night in America opener, and again, we we'll talk about Mother Nature. This will be the third attempt to start the series at Tyler County Speedway. Robert, you had a preview story uh, on that event on the website earlier this week. Uh, give us a little preview of that, what we should be watching for and looking forward to that event. You know, with the rainouts at 411 and at Tri, uh, Tri-City last month, uh, now the spotlight focuses, uh, you know, turns to Tyler County uh, as the first ever event for this, this new series, which I think is, is really awesome. It's a midweek deal, you know, that, that we're going to be soon familiar with uh, and giving these guys a chance to run for a lot of a lot of money. Tyler County, you know, is is nicknamed the Bull Ring for a reason. Uh, I think the racing is going to be excellent. Uh, if you look back, um, remember when we did that race, uh, the $5,000 to win race last May that Logan uh, Robertson win. Uh, one it was his uh, first ever super late model win you remember how emotional he was in victory lane i'm sure everybody remembers that from you know that's what stood out from tyler county the last time this time i think it's going to be more uh the competition and uh the number of cars that show up and the number of national touring drivers that pop in there i think they're i think we're going to be really shocked at how many guys jump on this thing you know tyler herb and uh, Devin Moran, Hudson O'Neill, Josh Richards, uh, Bobby Pierce, and we could have some surprises, uh, you know, jump in there as well. I think it's going to be a really stacked field for a Thursday night at a little racetrack, and I think it's going to be really exciting. And, you know, and the local guys are run really well there, too. You know, the person that I spoke with, uh, you know, Kyle Thomas, he's, he's no slouch. He's a really good racer. Colton Burdett, I don't know if he'll show up or not, but, you know, there's some guys in that region also that, you know, Rusty Slink, I think, is going to be there. So there's there's some guys that are going to be really, really good, and uh, it's going to be a stacked field, and I think it's going to be very, very exciting to watch uh, midweek. I was I was looking at some of the drivers heading there, and it is going to be a, a really good field. And, of course, the the uh, Castrol Flow Racing Series has a unique uh, aspect. Uh, midweek races, they're kind of scheduled around the national tours. This one obviously serves kind of as a, uh, a place where uh, drivers can go and race before they head Pennsylvania this weekend for the Lucas Oil Series doubleheader. I think, Kevin, you're going to tell us uh, a little bit about, about those two races up there. Yeah, Hagerstown and Port Royal, two tracks uh, less than two hours from my house, so uh, I like to bring them up there near me. I don't have to go too far to, to see the, the Lucas Oil Tour this weekend. And uh, two good racetracks. I mean, it, these are tra- races that, I mean, uh, it's not too often, I think. It seems like there's always some sort of rain problem with uh, these two early season races. Right now, hopefully, uh, it's it's trending in the right direction, I think. Uh, uh, guys get to run against some pretty good locals, uh, you know, local regional guys uh, when they come up to these two tracks. And uh, Hagerstown, uh, it, it's, they are in their first super late model race in more than a year because they didn't get to run any last year. Uh, with the COVID situation and, and, and old Gary Stuhler won, you know, 66 year old Gary Stuhler won on Saturday night. And uh, it'd be cool to see him have a good run on Saturday at his, uh, as, at his home track uh, uh, with all the wins that he has over a hundred wins he has at Hagerstown and in Port Royal. I mean, yeah, I was just there a few weeks ago for a ULM at, ULMS race. And 
and, and I'd imagine they, they might probably have something they did to the track since then. I, I, I've not been to the racetrack there once when they have not made some sort of improvement in the last few years. It's it's really uh, incredible what that place is, is becoming there. And they're going to have six national tour races this season at Port Royal between the two to, two national tour series. They have the Outlaws coming there for a two-day show in, in, uh, in May and then three days for Lucas Oil at the end of August. So, man, uh, and Port Royal is on the map. So these are... They're bigger racetracks that Lucas Oil going to this weekend, but two really good racetracks, uh, well-known racetracks that are really big in the sport right now. So I'm looking forward to it. Speaking of looking forward to things, uh, the Lucas Oil MLRA Tour has a busy, busy week ahead with five uh, straight nights of racing kicking off uh, Tuesday at I-80 Speedway. Then I believe they go to Stewart Speedway, Davenport Speedway on Wednesday and Thursday, and then they have the doubleheader there at 34 Raceway. Todd, give us a, uh, a quick preview of what to expect on the MLRA Tour, both for this week and uh, the season in general. Yeah, I think that um, we'll have to see exactly who goes to what races. But, you know, when I was uh, kind of hunting up the schedules to see who's showing up, there was a lot of drivers that were planning on these races, which is a little surprising to to break away in the midweek in April. You know, that's why, like I said earlier before, it's, it almost seems like it's July. They have so many midweek races this week. But uh, the MLRA stuff should be good. And then, you know, culminating there at 34 Raceway, which is nice. They get back-to-back races, which should solidify their car count and uh, and help keep that Slocum 50 going. You know, uh, that race honored Brent, Brent Slocum, who – Kind of a former also-ran driver who really became a really uh, great driver before he died tragically. He was a super guy, and, uh, you know, going up to 34, you would always see him, and it's a great place to race. And hopefully with these two nights in a row, uh, they'll have uh, lots of uh, uh, continued uh, good good competition from the rest of the week and uh, have a good race. That race has kind of been overshadowed a little bit. It seems like it's kind of un- unfortunately run against some other races, uh, so maybe this weekend with a, a good lead up to it with these other five races uh, or or as the last of five races, it'll really be a big deal. So good luck to those guys. Good deal. I'll take a quick stab at a couple of the other uh, regional races going on this weekend because there, like I said, is a slew of them. Uh, first of all, we have the Southern All-Stars headed to Tennessee for races at Mountain Motorsports Park and Smoky Mountain Speedway. Uh, what I'm watching for on that tour is which of the two uh, the tour's two main title contenders, defending series champion Billy Franklin and rookie candidate, impressive rookie candidate Peyton Freeman, which one gets their first series victory first. They've both been close multiple times this season. I wouldn't be surprised at all if both of them end up winning races this year. And of course, uh, anytime Southern All-Star at Smoky Mountain, it seems like Dale McDowell's going to be near the front there. So I'm pretty sure he's got that on his schedule. He'll be hard to beat there. Also, you have the Comp Cams Tour in action, Central Arkansas, and at Riverside International for a doubleheader between the two tracks. Uh, the question there to me is, can anyone keep pace with Logan Martin? It's early, but the season title chase is already kind of forming, and he's already won two of the Tour's first six races. Uh, to me, seems poised to repeat, repeat his title on the series a year ago. Uh, by my count, there are at least five other late model events paying 5000 to win or more this weekend. Uh, a couple, of, uh, I think there's a limited late model race, crate late model race, and a couple other super races. So as long as Mother uh, Nature cooperates, should be a big weekend of racing ahead. Should have uh, plenty to uh, kind of hit on next week after all that racing. Before we wrap it up, anything else you guys feel like we need to talk about? To uh, piggyback on what you said about how there is a slew of races this weekend, uh, it's just a, a ton of races, so there's opportunities all across the country for people to get out, support the racetracks, check, take in some races, and we just hope that uh, 
you know, a rain out here, here, there is not the worst thing in the world, but we don't want a, a, almost an entire weekend washed out like we had last weekend. So, you know, if Mother Nature cooperates, it's going to be a great race weekend for you to get out and, and check out some racing what i got yeah usually you don't have everybody just like you can't just uh stretch all these races together uh in the middle of april but i i talked to ross robinson down at uh at bristol he's got five nights in a row planned this week because they got this big the big rush crate uh late model mid-atlantic series and it goes to delaware international and georgetown and and uh in potomac and grant and uh in winchester this weekend and and he's planning to run all that as long as he's in the points uh for the point title thing on Saturday. And if not, then he's going to go to Port uh, Hagerstown with his super late model on Saturday and Port Royal Sunday, no matter what. So five nights in a row, that's uh, for, for Ross there and Del from Delaware. So a lot of racing coming up uh, for, for him. That's for sure. Well, I guess that'll do it for the first episode of the podcast. We appreciate everyone for listening and uh, hope to have more weekly, hopefully going forward. See you next time.